This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. We have seen quite a run in... uh we have seen quite a run uh, lately uh, with the expectations of what is going to happen with the Federal Reserve. Now reports say that uh, Reserve Governor Jerome Powell will be the person nominated by President Trump to be the next chair of the Fed. If confirmed, Powell will take over when Janet Yellen's term ends in February. To discuss the news, we are joined here in studio by Peter Connie Brown, Associate Professor of Legal Studies and Business Ethics here at the Wharton School. And in just a minute, we'll be joined by Krista Swartz, who's an associate professor of finance here at Wharton as well. Peter, great to see you again. It's a pleasure. It has been way too long. I know. Although you just gave me a promotion, I'm an assistant professor. Well, I know. I, I'm thinking ahead for you. Um, so Jerome Powell, uh, that's the name being bandied about. Uh, mm-hmm. Give us a uh, give us an idea as to uh, the background on Mr. Powell and how you think uh, he could be as a potential Fed chair. There's so much that's unusual about this process so far, and not least is Jerome Powell himself, right? So if you'd asked Fed watchers five years ago, put myself in that uh, in that population as well, to list the 50 uh, or 100 uh, likely candidates to be a uh, Fed chair uh, in a Republican administration, Jerome Powell's name would not have been on that list. Right. Uh, he was an Obama appointee five years ago to the, the Fed's Board of Governors. He's a Republican, served in Republican administrations. But he's not an economist. Uh, he's not uh, uh, you know, been an, uh, a monetary policy uh, guru prior to his time on the Board of Governors. But he has spent the last five years uh, participating very actively within the Janet Yellen consensus. So to the extent that there's daylight between a Powell Fed and a Yellen Fed, we haven't seen it. All right. Krista Schwartz now joining us. Krista, welcome to the show, and give us your thoughts on Jerome Powell. Hi, thank you. Uh, so, my thoughts on Jerome Powell, that is an open-ended question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess, uh, you know, as far as the possible outcomes goes, I think he is, um, a, a, you know, a pretty stable choice. I think that he has had, it is very true, um, as Peter said, he hasn't been watching monetary policy his entire life. So he doesn't have this depth and wealth of um, monetary policy specific experience or expertise to draw from. That said, in the years that he has been on the board, he's been involved in a lot of things um, and shown that he has uh, come to appreciate uh, a lot of the subtleties and even the mechanics and the minutia behind um, what actually happens at the Fed and understanding the payment system, um, lots of different things like that. So I think that if you look at how the markets responded to his to this announcement, um, and by that there really is not much of a response. Uh, Fed fund futures contracts are maybe a basis point or two changed out to, you know, the entire curve um, out to a couple years. And so I think that speaks to the expectation for a good degree of continuity. He certainly um, followed the consensus that was brought about by Janet Yellen. That isn't to say that he didn't have his own thoughts and ideas and bring those to the table as well. But I think 
that we can expect, largely speaking, from this choice to have continuity with, you know, perhaps at the margin, some Powell-specific leanings or tendencies, um, but continuity on the path that we've seen with with Yellen. Well, I find it interesting also, Kristen, the fact when you look at what has kind of been said uh, in the last year and a half uh, coming from the current president of the United States about Janet Yellen, there was obviously some negative commentary early on. But yesterday he was rather praising Janet Yellen. So, I mean, I found it interesting that there was that kind of that shift in mindset. And I'm wondering to a degree uh, is part of what Jerome Powell is bringing forth is the fact that we are in a good path with the economy right now, seemingly, where at least we're we're heading on a good path. And you don't want to kind of rock the boat to a degree to begin with. I think that's absolutely right. And when we spoke last, um, I had mentioned that I thought there was actually an increasing likelihood that Trump might end up picking Yellen after all. Uh, what he, you know, his focus or his interest is to have low rates and to have easy policy going forward. And that's something that Yellen, if you think of the range of where a chair or a board governor could fall, she's at the extreme sort of ease, dove, dovish end of that. Um, And I think it was just politically probably for, for Trump difficult to reappoint her, given how he seems to, um, you know, realize at this point that there he needs to not just act in the interests of what he thinks is best, perhaps, but also pay some attention to his constituents. Yeah, I think. And I think Powell was a more palatable choice on that front. Right. I think it's important to recognize the couple of things that at least that where, where Chris and I may, may disagree and that is, I don't think that Janet Yellen is a dove. Uh, she is certainly perceived that way. Right. Uh, her history isn't consistent with that model. Indeed, her main, the, I think the most trenchant critiques that I've read about the Yellen Fed uh, are coming uh, from a view that she's been uh, been too eager to raise interest rates despite uh, uh, failing to hit inflation targets. And that's, that's certainly consistent with who Janet Yellen, the central banker, was in the 1990s. She was more hawkish in a key debate than, than Alan Greenspan. The other thing is that I, I agree with Krista that the, that the political case to be made for Janet Yellen from Donald Trump would have been hard for many Republicans who've, uh, who've made a business of, of lambasting the Yellen and Bernanke Fed uh, as being partisan shills for the Obama administration. But they were wrong on that critique. Uh, and there's also a long tradition of cross-partisan reappointment uh, from Democrats to Republicans, Republicans to Democrats, where uh, the sitting president uh, has always uh, given a second term to the yeah. sitting Fed yeah. chair, uh, no matter the original, uh, uh, you know, the sponsoring party originally. And I think we've lost that. And that's something to lament, whether you love or hate Janet Yellen. Uh, and uh, uh, there, this this norm existed to protect the Fed from just being, uh, uh, you know, a, a a dummy for partisan politics. Uh, politics are inserted into the Fed regularly. That's essential. That's part of democracy. Right. But this norm meant that the Fed stood apart. It's not just another bureau of the Treasury. Uh, and we've lost that. And I think it's going to be very hard to get it back.
We're talking with uh, Peter Connie Brown and Krista Schwartz of the uh, Wharton School. Uh, we're talking about the potential nomination of Jerome Powell as the next chair of the Federal Reserve. 844-WHARTON is the number if you would like to join in with your comments or questions. 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. I, I guess, Krista, then the question becomes, uh, if Jerome Powell is the nominee, uh, and if he is approved, how does that impact the Federal Reserve and more specifically potential rate increases going into 2018? Uh, so, yes, that's a, an excellent question and clearly what everyone has, uh, would be asking or should be asking, what does this mean in terms of fine he'll follow consensus? But if anything, would that make it more likely or less likely that the Fed tightens more or less quickly? And I hear what Peter's saying on Yellen. However, if you look at the range of views on the board, I think that Yellen has been at the end of not uh, raising rates too quickly. I think that Powell, if anything, would tilt somewhat toward being hawkish relative to Yellen. Um, He had been a skeptic from the start of QE, and he was worrying about inflation in 2010, though, of course, he has since acknowledged that All of that was necessary and, in hindsight, turned out to be the right thing to do. Um, But I think that especially given that he is going to perhaps have a bit of a lighter touch on the regulation front, that might argue all the more to use monetary policy to lean somewhat against a potential bubble developing or the bubble in asset markets. And so I think he would be perhaps more likely to uh, follow a more rapid pace of tightening, not right away. And this is just, I think, very much at the margin. Um, These are consensus decisions, after all, since Bernanke, it's been much more of a committee uh, where, you know, historically prior to in the Greenspan and Fulker era, it was always the chairman that went first. And then in the meeting, they go around. Everybody else pretty much fell in line, and now it's actually um, they changed it to have the chairman speaking last, and that was in order to foster more of a committee discussion and debate and not be so influenced by the person leading the committee. Right. And so regardless of what Powell thinks or wants, it's certainly going to depend on the other, the composition of the committee as a whole. Peter? I think Chris is right to put her uh, finger on on this extremely important development. That question of Fed governance, is it an empire, is it a committee, uh, has has vacillated uh, through Fed history, and I expect we'll see more turns in the future. But I don't expect we'll see turns with Jerome Powell. Uh, Nothing about his history suggests that he... Uh, wants to stand on ceremony, be the be the Fed prima donna, barking orders. If he tried it, he'd fail, and uh, uh, and and that would be. Uh, uh, I'm sure that's something he's mindful of. Mm-hmm. Precedents have been set by by those failed Fed chairs. Um, I want to mention something that Chris had touched on. Uh, you know, his primary expertise is in regulation uh, and supervision, yeah. uh, especially with respect to the payment system. 
says Dan Tarullo is in charge of supervision and regulation at the Fed. Uh, Jerome Powell is developing real expertise on the Fed's effort to bring the United States uh, squarely into the 21st century when it comes to the payment system. We lag by every major indicator uh, in the way that people settle transa- transactions as opposed to um, to other uh, developed economies. Business transactions. Business transactions, personal transactions. Yep. Anytime that you're paying for something, you're writing a check using a credit card, using your phone, uh, we, uh, we settle... Uh, a, a huge number of transactions, right? Um, but we do it worse than people hmm. do it, uh, even in parts of Africa, right? We've got wow. a creaky, uh, old uh, payment system. Uh, you know, the very fact that we're still writing paper checks well, strikes yeah. people as uh, <laughs> as uh, Neanderthal. Just did that earlier today uh, myself, uh, actually. Right. Yeah. And so, so uh, you know, Governor Powell has real expertise on what is needed in the United States to modernize the payment system. But this is so interesting because with the creation and now the filling of the role of vice chair for supervision, Congress has asked or has instructed the Fed uh, to specialize here. That's Powell's expertise is there, but he's not the vice chair for supervision. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, he was passed over for that position and it went and said to Randy Quarles, a friend of his. Now he is the, the Fed chair, is likely to be the Fed chair. What is the nature then? of that relationship between Chair Powell and Vice Chair Quarles. Mm -hmm. Are they going to just be uh, the two of them uh, knitting in the same sweater? (laughs) Uh, Is Powell going to be able to, to, you know, step into the role as as the nation's chief economist, economist uh, though he is not? I think that's going to be a question that we'll be watching, is to see how Powell manages the regulatory supervisory payment system aspects of the job that Congress has said, that's not your focus. Your focus is on... Uh, is on interest rates and monetary policy. But, but in terms of, of of improving how we deal with payments and, and all all the like there, uh, you also have to, there has to be an element of also being worried about the security around those, uh, around those oh, elements sure. as well. Cybersecurity is the number one issue with the payment system. I think that's one of the main reasons why uh, uh, we've seen so much reluctance in trying to, to create new systems, and it's because new systems will have new vulnerabilities and yeah. Uh, and the march toward digitizing the payment system uh, uh, in an analog world is uh, uh, is fraught with exactly those kinds of cybersecurity perils. So that's he's just issued uh, he's chaired a, a task force. It's issued several reports. Cybersecurity is central to that discussion, and I can't imagine uh, that uh, as he ascends to the the Fed chair, they'll be leaving those discussions behind. If that's true. Then this will be a very interesting time to be watching the Fed, that with the Fed chair focused not simply on interest rates, but really leading a charge on payment system, yeah. uh, uh, payment systems, and other regulatory questions. Hey, Chris, so what do you see as the, as the main uh, focal points of, for uh, for Jerome Powell? Should he uh, head in as the chair? You mentioned, I think the main focal point really of that. Krista, we're going to call you back. We're uh, we're having problems with your with your phone as well. We're joined in studio by Peter Connie Brown uh, of the Wharton School, uh, and uh, Krista Schwartz will be rejoining us here in just a second. Uh, assistant Professor of Finance. I guess the the other interesting point is is that uh, the markets react, as Krista was alluding to, so tightly to what happens with the Federal Reserve. Obviously, we didn't have an interest rate rise this past month. A lot of people are assuming that we will have one in December, and I saw an article that said most likely 
two interest rate rises next year. Uh, does having Powell potentially as the chair, does that impact that in any way, shape, or form? We have no idea. Uh, uh, basically, our sense is that Powell and Yellen don't disagree on on this, um, you know, moderately hawkish view that we should be raising interest rates. Now, again, they're criticized for this on the left, uh, the left here, monetary policy speak. That's not really uh, that's not really a partisan label. Right. They're criticized by people, uh, uh, Republicans and Democrats, who think that the Fed has made uh, you know real catastrophic error in undershooting inflation as consistently as it has done. Um, but Powell is part of that consensus, uh, right. the Yellen consensus, that we should have incremental tightening, uh, a normalization of, of rates. And so I think that we uh, we have seen nothing uh, that should that suggests any daylight between those two views. And so we'll be watching very carefully to see what Powell says in his confirmation here. But, but if you go back a couple of years when uh, the, the, the question was going around of whether or not to start raising rates mm -hmm. in general, I know we talked about this, yeah. about the, the, you know, what was the perception was what was the strength of the economy and could the economy really start to handle these these interest rate increase, whatever they were, quarter point, half point, whatever. Ever. And seemingly we've had them now for a while. Yeah. And seemingly the economy is as strong as ever. And it now feels like a time where we can have, I don't want to say freedom, but we shouldn't have the concern that a quarter point rise or a half point rise, whatever it might be, would have such a negative cataclysmic impact. Sure, sure. I think that the difference between a December 2017 decision to raise rates and that initial decision in December 2015 to get off the zero lower bound are treated extremely differently. Yeah. And that's the entire point of normalization, right? Yeah. Is that you don't see a 25 basis point change as being, uh, uh, you know, just driving uh, the news cycle for days on end. Um, and, and indeed, it was a blip, uh, essentially, that uh, the, they didn't raise interest rates yesterday, the, the FOMC. Uh, and that generated discussion, but we're consumed by by other things. That's a healthy place to be. We don't want the economy living and breathing uh, on uh, 25 basis points in one direction or another. Um, but the the argument that tightening, uh, no matter how incrementally, is not right for the time is that we don't have a good handle on why inflation has been so low right. uh, for so long. Right. Uh, and a lot of people say, well, we do have a handle on it. It's in part because the Fed has has uh, uh, basically effectuated a regime change in policy, uh, in monetary policy, uh, and they've not done it, uh, you know, kind of uh, behind the scenes. And that regime change is uh, mismanaging inflation expectations. So that's part of that. That's part of the critique of the Yellen Fed, and and uh, that's the the consensus view that Powell has participated in and is inheriting. Chris, I mentioned with uh, with Peter a second ago about uh, the potential of interest rates uh, interest rate increases if Jerome Powell is the uh, the actual person to go in uh, for Janet Yellen. Uh, how do you think Jerome Powell's role potentially, if he is uh, the person that is the next chair of the Fed, how do you think that role impacts or doesn't impact potential interest rate increases in the future? So. As I mentioned earlier, I think that he may have a tendency to be a bit more aggressive than Yellen would have been otherwise. Um, that said, I think the I heard a bit of what uh, Peter was saying, and absolutely I underscore everything that he mentioned. Where we are right now is in sort of an uncertain place, and we're, it's just not clear even to the most expert uh, folks 
in monetary policy exactly what's going on uh, with inflation and what um, what the outlook is, how that's relating to other asset prices. Is there a bubble forming? Are we at risk for a quick upshoot in inflation? And I think all else equal that Powell, relative to Yellen, would argue that there is the risk of a big spike up in inflation uh, at some point, especially given you know what the headline actually is, perhaps the reason that there hasn't been a big response in asset markets to this very, very large announcement of uh, Powell becoming chair is that the tax cuts are forefront in the headlines today. And if we have, you know, I think uh, most people would agree that we're pretty much at full employment right now, and you add a huge fiscal stimulus to that, right. what is the what do you see as the risks? Are they to higher inflation or lower inflation? And I think um, clearly it would be on the upside. Just just given that, then if you think about asset markets, you can, depending on exactly how you think of equity valuations, you could argue that they're fairly valued. Stocks are expensive because we're living in a world of very, very low returns. Or you could argue that stocks are overvalued, but under no circumstance um, is there a model that would support the view that that stocks are cheap right now. 844 Wharton is the number if you would like to join in with your comments. We are joined uh, in studio by Peter Peter Connie Brown of the Wharton School on the phone by Krista Schwarz of the Wharton School as well. 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter and we'll bring it up on the show at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. I guess a lot of people are also going to be looking, and you both have kind of alluded to it, that, that concern about regulation, especially in the financial sector, Peter, and where we could be potentially heading with Jerome Powell as the Fed chair in that in that territory. I don't think of Powell as an ideologue particularly. He's not uh, been beating any kind of uh, repeal Dodd-Frank uh, drum, uh, uh, which has uh, been the, the mantra of the House Republicans. Um, that said, uh, uh, is, how, is his supervision of the implementation of uh, of capital requirements under Basel III, which is the international framework for for establishing these things. Um, will it look different from Janet Yellen? I suspect yes. I mm-hmm. think that his his priors, and he's, he's said this publicly, uh, are uh, uh, not to view regulation uh, as, a, as a reflexively good thing. And that includes just capital structure regulation. And this is something that is uh, vital uh, in the way that we think about the banking system, and it's basically limits how much uh, uh, how much debt banks can take on, because debt is the contagion yep. in a yep. crisis, right? Yep. And so um, uh, the view following the crisis, the 2008 crisis, is well, banks have got to be funded with a lot more equity, because an equity, uh, you know, shareholders lose their shirts. Well, that's the ticket to the roller coaster that they bought, right? Uh, and so that contains crisis better. What we've heard Powell say is, well, you know what, we've probably gone too far. We need better. We need a lighter touch uh, on on capital. Let's let banks kind of set their own uh, parameters to some extent on how much debt they're willing to take on. And in the way that we supervise the implementation of those rules, let's also have a lighter touch. Right. Um, and so that is going to be a change uh, from what was come before. But it's not a wholesale change. It's not an abandonment of the Dodd-Frank model. Uh, and I would suspect uh, that uh, Chair Powell... We'll take the position that all, nearly all of his predecessors have taken, which is 
to defend uh, uh, the powers that Congress has given the Fed rather than give them back uh, in subsequent congressional hearings. Krista, what do you think, assuming this all does play out this way, what do you think ends up being the legacy of Janet Yellen as Fed chair? That's a good question. Um, so I guess her legacy, perhaps, would be the way that she has handled the takeoff of rates back to a quote-unquote normalization, normalization of policy. And she initiated the roll-off of the Fed's very, very large balance sheet. And so this is something that took, you know, a lot of thought exactly how to, when to start it, when to kick it off, how to implement it, how quickly, something that I think she has put a bit of a, um, I guess, you know, direction in place for is the ultimate end size of the balance sheet. And that's something that Powell will certainly play a much larger role in now. And ultimately, it's going to be largely driven by the chair. And it's set to, at the pace that they're rolling off securities right now, um, allowing securities to mature right now and shrink the balance sheet that way, it's probably going to be in 2020 or so that that's the case, and that'll fall within Powell's four-year term. Um, So does the Fed end up with a balance sheet that's around $2 trillion mm-hmm. in steady state or $3 trillion, that'll affect how easy or perhaps going back to a crisis mode it will be to um, affect policy in the future uh, in rough times. And, uh, furthermore, I think that you know there's a 50-50 likelihood that in the next four years we have a recession. And so that's something that Powell will be facing. And how is he going to address that? Mm-hmm. You had asked me about Yellen. Um, she perhaps has her legacy could also include the sustained period of growth post crisis. Peter, I think there are two aspects of uh, of Yellen, maybe three. The first is that uh, I she has handled normalization, right? So Bernanke, the Bernanke Fed uh, is unconventional, sure, in, yeah. in every in every way. I mean, that's the technical term for the the tools that they used in their toolkit. And what the Yellen Fed has been is about normalization. Um, uh, as, uh, as as Krista mentioned, not only in uh, in this incremental progress toward uh, toward normal policy rates, but also toward shrinking the balance sheet, um, you know, continuing to consolidate the implementation process following Dodd Frank, uh, trying to get us to business a, 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 as usual, and that is an extraordinarily difficult thing. You know, you admire the the courage of the Bernanke Fed, including Janet Yellen, of taking bold action that was sure. unpopular and. Uh, uh, um, but managing a transition towards normalization is very difficult. She's done that remarkably well. She was the most uh, experienced central banker in the Fed's history to take the, the, the helm. Uh, and at least from her headline numbers, which is what the congressional mandate requires, she's met the mandate that Congress has given the Fed better than any of her predecessors. So she's been a remarkable Fed chair. Uh, not invulnerable to criticism, of course, but... Uh, but um, really deserves uh, uh, praise for, for the job that she's done. But the other aspect, which is kind of the dark side of her legacy, is just how dramatically she has been politicized. Yeah. And I yeah. put that in the passive voice on purpose because I don't see her participating in that politicization uh, in, in the same overt ways that some of her predecessors have done. Um, but I think that's the fact that her tenure ends with discarding this uh, tradition of cross-partisan reappointment 
uh, is something for those who like bipartisanship, who like the idea of of government uh, having continuity and that partisan politics doesn't dominate everything that we do in government. If you like those things, then you should be sad about the uh, about the president's failure to reappoint Janet Yellen. Uh, and I think that's going to be a part of the way that we remember her, that uh, she did extraordinarily well uh, in uh, difficult circumstances. Uh, and in the end, partisan politics uh, uh, hijacked so much of, of uh, what she has accomplished. Great having you both with us. Uh, Peter, great seeing you again. Thank you for coming in here today. Krista, yeah. thank you as well for joining us on the phone. All the best to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Krista Schwartz, Peter Connie Brown of the Wharton School. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.